the NFL Podcast. Has tips for Steve Martin's podcast. <laughs> From the Chris Wesley Podcast Studio, it's around the NFL. I'm Dan Hansis, joined by heroes. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. Eh, once in a while, money tag comes along, and I don't know what the hell it's about. Yeah, zero context. Um, it's we, fine. We look at each other. We do a little, you know, kind of fake, double take. fake giggle, and then we move on because it has no meaning. Does Steve Martin have a podcast? <laughs> I, Who doesn't? I don't know. I know he's got a banjo. It up. Uh, maybe it's a banjo podcast. I don't know. Do you um, know anyone that does not have a... I mean, literally every human I know <laughs> is, um, is operating some sort of show at this what point. What about Simone? Life with the Sesslers pod. I would definitely listen to that. Uh, she does not. So you've already <laughs> foiled my theory, but you're right. This is the Tuesday show. The Around the NFL podcast. Greg has made it out of the BTS concert alive. You were able to navigate your daughter and your wife made it out of the venue. You got out and home apparently because you're here now unless you never got them and they're still at the stadium somewhere i don't mm, know spicy oh i thought you were getting them. <laughs> uh it took a while to get out that night but it is nice uh, you know we work here it was nice when we you know walked over from the chargers game the other sure. night and this time i just said yeah meet me at the bottom of the stairs outside of nfl network and there they were you know right after the show took took a long way, way to get home what but um, what a what a tough uh, cookie, you know, that Ellis is loses a tooth about an oh, hour before wow. the show, getting bloody, going, you know, running up to a bathroom, wash it out, get back to the seat in time for the show, standing up for three straight hours, having oh, a trooper, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, excellent. So <laughs> BTS is still owning the world where we live, but uh, we have football to discuss. We got a good one today. Uh, Brian Baldinger, the king of tape. I call him. Uh, the tape pit bull because he's the most fearsome of all tape dogs. Mm. That's new. I don't know if that's going to take, but I, I think what I'm trying to get across is that he's peerless and ferocious and anyone that tries to step to him, watch out. That's a level above a tape dog. Sure. I, I mean, I hear where you're going with that. Everyone else is a tape golden retriever Sure. when you get to Baldy and his ability to study. And I think we need his help uh, because... We never played the game. Uh, and there are questions we have about what's well, going on in a very strange NFL season. Uh, we seek answers, so we turn to Baldy. He's coming up a little bit later. Also, Thursday night football. Can you believe it? Week 13 will kick off in just two short days. And the Dallas Cowboys, who probably wish they had a normal uh, schedule at some point where they play on a Sunday uh, with all their COVID issues and injury issues, they are on a short week. Uh, although I guess they played last Thursday, so it's not a short week, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, they play against the Saints, who are free-falling out into nothing right now. Uh, they are going to try to keep their season alive. We'll get to that and preview that with Connie Fox, the tiny box. Uh, but before that, you know what we... Mark, you know what we do around here. Sure. Now, now we're going to cover hope. another aspect of football that occurred this week. Absolutely. We close the door on week 12 with our Monday night football recap sponsored by not a goddamn thing. You hold it to no one. You hold yes. it mostly to nobody until they tell us. Then we are. That we're beholden. Then we are under and lock and key with like zero control. Good little boys. Yeah. All right, Ricky. Wilson takes the snap. Looks over the middle. That is thrown into the end zone. It is picked up. Maintains their lead. Now they just need to survive a kickoff. 
Ah, there it is. The Seattle Seahawks had a chance for a miracle comeback. Could not get it done. Russell Wilson, line drive, incomplete pass. Taylor Heineke throws his arms up and rejoices on the sideline because the Washington football team is alive and well in the NFC after a 17-15 win at FedEx Field. My goodness, uh, Mark. So it's funny because, and we'll get to the Seahawks, which it's a whole other thing with them. But uh, Montez Sweat, he goes out for the year. Then Chase Young blows out his knee. He's out for the year. Sweat's coming back, right? I think so. Is he coming back? He had okay. a jaw issue. Yeah. Oh, he had the jaw. Yeah, yeah. Tough injury there. He'll come back at some point. He's still sweaty. But without these players, the defense has come alive, and they're playing that Ron Rivera ball that Ron loves. They're running the ball 43 times for a buck 52 and a touch in this game. So Washington is relying on an old-school style of football and against the Seattle Seahawks team that cannot get out of its own way. That was good enough on Monday night. It is. Uh, Greg and I were talking, I think, before last week's preview show that Ron Rivera kind of does this everywhere he goes, where it's like, let's start wicked slow, then round into shape, form an identity that looks a lot like Ron Rivera and start kicking people's butt. And yeah. often, like with teams that don't even end up that good, remember that 7-8-1 Panthers team oh, yeah. that won the division by winning four oh, straight? <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they did a similar thing last year, and here they go again. They did. They did. That it. was the game it's, where they won 3-2 to two in the wild card round, and Cam completed like 12% of his passes and then was posing and smiling on the sideline like they had just... How dare you? Well, that's How what, dare that's you what, besmirch a victory that's over what Cam Ryan does. Lindley's Cardinals? <laughs> oh, right. It was that game. My goodness. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so Washington uh, gets it done with their defense, with their running game. Ron Rivera's feeling it and uh, more fun with T- Taylor Heineke, who uh, didn't really stand out on a high level, but still 27 of 35 and I just, again, appreciate the way he runs this offense. And I thought he made a lot of smart decisions as well uh, when he could have maybe forced it the way we've seen uh, in the past, the way Russell Wilson has been known to do at times this year. He instead took the shorter option and kept them on this path, which was, hey, Seattle stinks on offense. We're not going to take extra chances. We're going to count on our defense and it paid off. Yeah, I mean, it's the 41 minutes of possession had something to do with the football team and something to do with Seattle's defense. They beat them up on both lines, Washington and Taylor Heineke, 23 of 25 on passes of fewer than 10 plus air yards. I mean, they were hitting intermediate little shots and getting yards after the catch and their ground game has really come to life. I mean, they, you know, JD McKissick, who I don't think has been mentioned on this podcast like all year. I've said his name four times and given some. Well, then I've just mentioned him for the fifth time and it's due. He deserves a little bit of a nod. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, Taylor Heineke, I get that the debate goes on whether or not he would continue on as um, a functional starter after this season, but what more do you need to do to be watchable to run this offense? And they are they are a team to me that like I had these little pet teams to uh, shield the dislike of my own team and what they're doing to me inside. Um, Washington has shifted right into that. And I'm surprised because I've never really been into Washington really? on any level. Yes. Well, they've got they're very they've fun got, to watch. It's not surprising to me. Mark likes 16 play drives. Absolutely. Often that end in field goals. (laughs) Like that's what Mark's into. At one point in this game before that last Seahawks drive, it was 79 plays to 35. They had a 15 play field goal drive in the first quarter, a couple long ones in the middle. And then the biggest reason to give this 
often some credit is that 16-play, 90-yard drive that they couldn't quite finish out because uh, they didn't have a kicker. They would have kicked a field goal to win the game, essentially. They didn't have it. They, an overturned call that was questionable on the goal line you know, ended that drive, but they held the ball for over eight minutes, and it was very similar to how they ended the game against Tampa. All that said, I don't want to give the offense like too much credit in a game where they went three and out about five times. Five times in a, in a <laughs> right? row. Like the, the defense was the star here. For Ron Rivera oh, for and, and, and for yeah. Washington. Uh, no, I mean, Washington I mean, went three and out at least four or five right. times in this game. Well, Seattle took it to the next level. They, they did got the job five done. consecutive times, and there's only two teams in the I'm NFL just saying, this season. It, a lot of times you don't get the ball back that many times if you keep... There's only two teams in the NFL this season that have gone three and out five consecutive drives, and somehow it's the Seahawks twice. It's not surprising when you watch them, though. It's just like historically shocking. It's it's unbelievable that it's gotten to that point. The end of the game, just real quick. Uh, it's kind of a cliche. I don't even know what a catch is anymore. Like that's a thing people say all the time. Right. So I mean, David not, last Joker. night I thought about Wes with that because nothing drove him crazy. He, that was his thing for about four years on this show. Right. He said he, he, it drove him crazy. The catcher at some point he thought we kind of thought they fixed it in the last couple of weeks. I don't know. That, I don't know that, what's happening. that touchdown catch at the end of the game that has to stand there and it and it kind of gets wiped away. I think it was Logan Thomas. Uh, it's ruled a t- catch on the field. There's no to me clear evidence to it's overturn looked- it. Plus, you know a catch when you see one. And and yet they overturn it. And thankfully, at least that's where I, my perspective on it, not just because the Jets draft pick keeps getting better uh, because Seattle keeps losing. It's like Washington deserved to win that game. They made every play they needed to make. And then you make this arbitrary ruling that opens the door for Seattle to have this miracle comeback. I didn't like that. Uh, the fact that they, they then recover the onside kick Seattle and go from missing the two point conversion uh, to tie it at 17 to potentially getting the ball back near midfield to win on a field goal. Only that then gets wiped away uh, because one of the guys was lined up on the wrong side of the hash mark. I, I mean, it's Seattle season in a nutshell. The frustration, there's just layers of it. That two-point conversion, you know, that we heard before, to me, said it all about Russell Wilson. Like, that ball's got to come out. I'm telling you, if, like, that was... I'm trying to think of a mid-level quarterback. Mac Jones or Cousins, most likely, or Tannehill. That's just, like, a, a timing throw, and the guy's open. Right. And DK's open, too. His second receiver's open, too. And Russell Wilson just holds it. And I know they had that last-minute drive where it felt like they were the Seahawks again. But even within that drive, there was that sack that I know you tweeted about, Dan, where Wilson's just holding the ball forever, forever, and never you could almost see him thinking and never gets to the thought, I got to throw the ball away and get sacked there. And so even even in that comeback attempt, which should have been great, like that two-point conversion left me with such a sour taste because I'm just thinking like, what is going on with Russell Wilson? I mean, he is, he is in the most non-functional offense by far of his career. He leads the team last night with 16 yards rushing. But it was highly functional earlier in the season. That's the part I don't get. Where I'm does, just saying where they are now. I mean, I'm he's saying, not, he's, it's like, it's not just on Russell Wilson. He's not playing well, but I mean, there's like, they're out of tune. Like DK Metcalf doesn't get a catch. Well, how much of this deep in the game should, should be put on Shane Russell. Waldron? How much should be put on Russell Wilson? How much should be put on the fact that Russell Wilson uh, came back early from the, the thumb, the finger surgery? He says his finger's absolutely fine. So yeah, if he's telling he's the truth, say that. All right, I mean, but, but then that's on the he's team. Missed too. A, he's missed a lot of throws since he's come back. And the DK Metcalf thing is, Greg, you were kind of beating the drum on this uh, for a couple of weeks now. 
Uh, it almost looked like he took himself out of that game. Uh, Do you know who so he was complaining mentally- to on the sideline too? Let me guess. Gino Smith. <laughs> Seahawks Twitter love that. They're like, there's something going on here. Gino has always been a guy that keeps a locker room together. If there's Stop. One thing, absolutely. I, 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 there's I, one I, thing I, that I know. He DK Metcalf was just venting. But to get Brian Greasy <laughs> criticizing Russell Wilson for not seeing the field. It's like it, ta- it takes a lot. I, th- I think they're just so hesitant. I'm not saying it's all on Russell Wilson. It's not like they were lighting it up with Gino. But they weren't much... They weren't different, that's for sure. And I know his fingers hurt, but a lot of it just seems like there's open guys and he's not throwing it to him. And Pete Carroll came about as close as he could. He was very supportive of Russell Wilson. But to just admitting that, I think it, anyone that watches his film right now can, can see that, that for whatever reason, he is scrambled. Yeah. And I can I just say something? We have emergency quarterbacks. This is going to sound like a bit because I talk about the kicker club. But doesn't this happen enough now? We see this enough during a season where losing your kicker and he popped a hamstring, uh, the Washington kicker, um, Joey Sly popped the hamstring on that extra. Man, that was kind of a crazy game. The PAT block that turned it to two points for the Seahawks to make it 9-9 before the half. Like, that really changed so much in that game right down to what we're talking about. They couldn't just kick the field goal to ice the game and it almost cost them the game. Why isn't there some type of an emergency kicker situation? I know you say, oh, roster space, this and that. All right, then make it a 54-man roster. It's strange to me that it, that it's that. You have no security blanket. It's happened with multiple teams down. this season too in a, in a weird campaign. Wait, your like, punter you know, can't hit an extra point or you can't pr- have some wide receiver who used to be a soccer player practice? I guess not. Right, these are like premier athletes. You think that almost I mean, I was on like a. I've told you this. You, I played Pop Warner. We had a kid that could kick extra points. <laughs> oh yeah, every. I mean, but it's like, how do you not have at least five people that have kicked maybe, extra points in their life? Maybe, maybe there just NFL wasn't team. confidence in him. But that that was another, by the way, um, struggle with the situational football from this Monday Night Football crew. Uh-oh. Uh oh. They just they didn't mention that that whole drive and that was this it was this anvil hanging over that whole drive yeah. where they kept hitting the third and the fourth downs and it was like that's so huge because they don't have a kicker didn't mention it one time until the like about ten seconds left on the play clock and you're out going for to blood fourth down <laughs> you're out for blood I do every time the Manning cast isn't on now it really does it's a void. My- of my Monday viewing experience like there. I tweeted about it. I said, like, oh, I feel like these guys are my friends now. And it was actually a really heartwarming little social media moment for the old Zeuser. Tugboat's mentions were all like, that's how we feel listening to your show. Oh. It's like, oh, that's nice. Look I like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go, Mark. I mean. <laughs> all right. That's Monday Night Football. Weird, funky little game. It's fun. Let's take a break. And then Baldy. All right. Now it's time for a guest. Listen, we don't have a ton of guests on the podcast, and when we do have one, it's because, you know, they're the goods, and it's one of our favorites. He is the great Baldy of NFL Network, Brian Baldinger, uh, one of the great tape men in the league, one of the great adventurers of the universe. <laughs> and and Baldy, before we get into what's some questions we have about things we can't figure out in the NFL, and you're, you're hopefully going to yeah. help us, and I'm sure you will, uh, Greg took... His uh, or Greg's wife uh, took their daughter to the BTS show at SoFi Stadium this past weekend. And it did get me thinking, what's the last concert that Baldy went (laughs) getting loose? Well, well, you have to fill me in. What is BTS? Well, who is BTS? (laughs) Like a K-pop Korean pop band. But they're like they're like in sync. 
Um, but like worldwide, okay. right? And, right? And don't yeah. act like you don't know. Oh, yeah. we, it's yeah. for kids. You can, it's more, you know, you just, can acknowledge just your, for your own uh, zeitgeist, zeitgeist education it, I, on this. I, Baldy, they've played four I nights live in a big at SoFi. I, well, I mean, that's a big stadium, so they yeah. must be pretty popular. But <laughs> you have to understand, I live in a bubble, like a very small, little, narrow bubble. And if BTS isn't being played on one of my screens, then I have no idea who they are right now. So it's fine. Honestly, if you bit, were at the show, I, I'm everyone out of touch would be creeped out a little. It, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Well, what about you? Your last concert. My last my last concert was uh, Billy Joel. Billy Joel at the Garden, Madison Square Garden, New York City, probably just uh, before the pandemic. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's been a long, it's been a long stretch. Now, even though I'm a native New Yorker, I've never been a Billy Joel guy. I was always more of a Springsteen guy, but I have to say this about Joel. Joel figured it out. He got out of the game as a recording artist in like 93. He did the River of Dreams album. Yeah. He said, I'm out. Yeah. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm not hitting the road and touring in my 60s. I'm setting up a residency. Oh, you're going to go to some dump in Vegas or go down to Atlantic City? No, bro. I'm playing MSG. I'm playing the Garden once a month. Uh, forever, how long I want. That's actually one of the great baller moves in uh, rock touring history. <laughs> well, I've been good friends with the, with the guys in the band for a long time. Oh, you know, Billy's a Long Island guy. His drummer is an original drummer, Liberty DeVito's from my town, Massapequa. So, and all the roadies are like some of my best friends. So, <laughs> Larry Doby Sr.'s uh, son, Larry Doby Jr., you know, does all the lighting for him. So, like, wow. I get I get treated like a rock star when I go. I, I get to go back there and tinker around with some of the guitars and wow. pianos and stuff. So, it, you know, it's it's been fun. It's been a fun it's, run. It's yet more evidence that there is the lives <laughs> right. that uh, we live, and then there is Baldy's existence, which is on about a level, 35 <laughs> levels above my, my level. He did it. Baldy did it. Baldy won. All right. Let's turn to football, yeah. Baldy. Now, this is what we want to talk about here. Um, we're trying to figure out this NFL season. It's a tough one. This is a toughie. Even beyond other seasons, there are mysteries that we have and we need help. We need a real tape dog, a premier tape dog like Baldy, a guy who sees the game in a different way. So, Mark, why don't you get us going? Something that you need assistance with that Baldy can help us. Well, look, at um, I this is on brand. Uh, Baldy, you know that I'm a Browns fan and I, I just have to ask you, Let's let's just microcosm them down to the what happened in the Baltimore game, uh, and feel free to go mm-hmm. beyond. But they were as healthy as they had been in eons, in months. Everyone's there. Everyone's there's no excuses. They flatline. They fall apart. Um, they they look nothing like the team from last year, or even at high points earlier this year. When you're watching, I know you love their O line and stuff, but when you're watching this offense, help me. Uh, Help me not just simply fall off a cliff psychologically. What is going on here? Well, you know, the Ravens, they, you know, Wink Markendale, he, I mean, he understands what the Browns are trying to do. Uh, they give them a lot of different looks. They're not easy to prepare for. Uh, you know, when you look at a guy like Tyus Bowser in that game, he lined up everywhere. He was man-to-man on the tight ends. He was rushing the quarterback. They really went after the right tackle in Cleveland, you know, the backup to Jack Conklin. So, uh, they found some weaknesses and they exploited it and they just couldn't take advantage of the field position or the extra bats that they had in that game. And they looked like a 10 point offense, you know, uh, coming out of that game. Defense couldn't play a whole lot better than what they played. So let me ask you this, Baldy, because Stefanski dismissed it out of hand after the game. When you watch Baker in this state, do you think there's a case for Case Keenum taking over and trying to juice this offense? If they're a 10 point offense, that kind of tells me the answer, but I'm curious what you think. 
Well, I know, you know, look, I, I, I feel like I know Baker. Like, I've watched him since he was at Texas Tech, uh, just doing Big 12 games. And so, when I watch him right now, he, he doesn't look like the same guy. Like, I, I don't know what it's like to throw a football with your other shoulder strapped to your chest, right. you know, and what that feels like. Baltimore planted him into the turf a number of different times in that game. And so, you know, when I watch him, I don't know just the mechanics of what you got to do to compensate for that. I, mean, I said weeks ago that this is a ticking time bomb. I don't know mm. if he can survive the season or not. He bristled a week ago when people said he wasn't playing well, and he wasn't playing well. I mean, he, like I know that that offense is not that difficult to figure out. There's, there, there's openings to throw the football and where it's got to be, and he, he has not gotten the ball to his receivers consistently where he's got to get it to him. Mm. And so some of it is on Baker, uh, and some of it is everything else around him right now. Takes a lot of hits too, Baker. That that he could avoid. I mean, that that's part of the reason he, he keeps getting hurt. In that game, like I expected the the Browns' offensive line to do better in general. That they're one of the best groups in the league. And you know, we're coming off talking about this Washington football team on Monday night, and I look at what the Patriots have done, and I look at the 49ers right now and the Eagles, and it feels like it's 2021, and all these defenses that are are so light are now getting counteracted by guys like Bill Belichick who want to play with these heavy fronts and they want to play pounded out football. They want to bring it back to the 80s and 90s. Do you think that there's a little bit of a a sea change in the way that offenses are trying to win and a lot of running heavy teams getting it done in this season? Well, if if you want to get fixed right now, like, for example, I was just watching the Rams. The Rams don't move the line of scrimmage at all. All they do is position block, and that's why the 49ers handed it to him. And that's why the Packers just handed it to him. And, you know, this, the quarterback isn't great right now, but they, they can't move the line of scrimmage. But when you do, when you watch the Eagles, I mean, it's a shame. They should never even, they should just play academy football, the Eagles. They should never throw the football. Just run it. Like they would have scored 25 if they just did that against the Giants. Um, but yes, the, the 49ers right now, uh, the Washington football team looked really good last night. The teams that are the Patriots have been, when you commit to it, it does make life easier for your quarterback. It, he does take less hits. You generally do turn the ball over less when you commit to the run. And so you look at these teams that are kind of surging right now, you can look to the offensive line and how they're playing the game and how often and frequently they're turning around and handing the ball off. And I don't want to leave Cincinnati out of the uh, equation there because – which like line really gets baldy juices? Well, I mean, on a Monday like, morning you know, is like I mean, the first game you, know, you want to put on. Well, you got to watch Landon Dickerson and Jordan Mailata right now. I mean, you know that's okay. that's like um, oh yeah. That, I mean that that's like a feature on HBO right there. <laughs> like that's that's the main event, you know. But like you know, but even going back to I was like out there on the field Sunday at MetLife Stadium, and there's Jeff Stoutland, the offensive line coach of the Eagles, and there's Landon Dickerson. And there's, you know, Jordan Mailata, and they're just working on fundamentals for an hour straight before the game. Now, I'm saying this, and they lost the game, so I look like an idiot. But I don't see anybody from the Giants working on it. I don't see anybody doing extra work before the game just to sort of tighten things up on looks they're going to get. And sometimes it's just that simple. Like, you got to work on the things that you need to get work on. And the Eagles, they'll get back to what they got to do here pretty soon, probably this week. But 
Yeah, I mean, it, that, it, that's it does fair, start though, up Giants, but my, watching that group right now is as good as there is. The mm. Giants don't look like a team that needs to be doing extra work, so that checks out. We're good, <laughs> we're good on that front. So. Um, there you go. All right, Baldy. I'm looking at the, the playoffs right now, the way it's set up. If the season ended yeah. today. Uh, and yeah. I see Washington moved into the seventh spot uh, with the Monday night win. You got the Chargers who fell into that seventh spot in the AFC. I'm going to throw out I'm going to throw out six teams to you, and you can tell me which one of these fringe teams right now, not only you think have it in them uh, to make a run and get a playoff spot, but win a game, win a game in January in the playoffs, a team you think could really cause some havoc. Chargers, Raiders, Broncos, Washington, Vikings, Falcons. Hmm. I would, I'd still say, I think the, I just cut myself. I don't know what I did. Um, anyways, uh, you I, I still pain, think the Baldi. Vikings will take it out in post. I, I just, I just, I got to talk about the offense line. I just scratched you're myself. Passionate, like, you're blood. a passionate man. Like it's, that. it's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, I still think like the Vikings, I mean, obviously they were disappointing against San Francisco this week, but that offense is a good offense. Now I don't know what Dalvin Cook's situation is right now. That can make a difference. He's a game changing type player. So I don't know what his situation is. Uh, I feel like if Washington got to the postseason, they would be tough because of the way that they play. Like they play keep away because that's how the quarterback. I mean, they just they. I think uh, forty eight of their seventy something touches last night went to McKissick or went to Antonio Gibson. Like they play a very different style of football than just about anybody else. Now McLaurin can still get deep on you. Logan Thomas will help him now that he's back. But I think the way that they play right now, defensively, they're doing a lot and they're playing hard for a change. They didn't play hard the first half of the season and they were hard to watch because they didn't play hard. Now they're playing hard. They understand how hard you got to play. And then offensively, the quarterback doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I feel like that is a team, if they get there, I think that's a team that can win a playoff game. Baldy, this blood on your on your face is now Going down yeah. the whole side of the face. No, I, I don't know if yeah. you're bothered by it because it's an audio show. To me, it's perfect that you are the first guest to literally have blood Lead streaming down your face. Like, this is amazing. Remember when before J.J. Watt got the surgery, uh, to the plastic <laughs> surgery, and he would just open up that gash in his forehead? And it was kind of like the most badass thing possible. Right. For you to do it in front of a, a team cam at NFL Films headquarters, <laughs> you are the ultimate grinder. Right. I know you, you got to be careful. Well, you're wearing a nice suit right now. But, like, if you had asked me, who's the yeah. perfect guest to have a bloody <laughs> face while he's talking O-line? It's Baldy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you asked me about concerts. I was thinking, like, I've been to a Kiss concert when Gene Simmons is, like, spewing blood, right. you know, from the ceiling. So that, that kind of ties together. And, like, it's not really a good day unless I'm drawing blood somehow. Sure. Like, something. You know, sure. like, I'm walking through a rose bush and I'm scratched or I scratched myself talking about offensive line play. <laughs> like, it's not really a good day. Unless I'm drawing some blood. That's good. Well, there is only one Baldy. We've figured that out. I will attempt to um, bring us back into the, the world of the gridiron here. I, I The Bills, I think that they, they drive me a little bit nuts. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars game, what happened there, the way they were stamped by the Colts. They've got an acid test showdown with the Patriots. And I, I would, when you watch them, do they just simply not match up well with rugged offenses like Indy and New England that want to come in and run on you? I mean, they've been a statistically, DVOA-wise, a very good defense. What do you think about this team? Why are they so up and down compared to a year ago? 
Well, I mean, Tremaine Edmonds didn't play against Indianapolis. I'm not saying that he would have shut down Jonathan Taylor, but they would they would have been better inside with his presence there against Taylor. Uh, you know, they're a passing team. And so uh, last year, everything went well. Like when the play wasn't there, Josh Allen could create a play and he'd find Stephon Diggs or, you know, he'd find Gabriel Davis or whoever. They, they don't seem quite as creative when things don't go right, right away right now, the mm. way they once did last year. And so I think that's part of it. And they they kind of, you know, the running game is just, it's it's really just a, a chance for Josh Allen to rest his arm. That's what it looks <laughs> right. like to me. Like, it's, it, it's, it's not really any kind of a commitment to it. So when those kind of teams start blitzing you and chasing your quarterback, you're like, what, how do you slow that down? Most teams, if you had a balanced offense, you could run it and you could take the blitz out of it. They don't really, you know, have that luxury because they don't really commit. Like maybe Matt Breed is going to be their running back right now. They're look, it's like they're looking for it. And Zach Moss wasn't even active last week. Um, they can get pushed around up front. Like the Colts did push them around pretty good. They're vulnerable to that. You know, when the Patriots play them on Monday night, I'm sure you'll see I formation, Jakob Johnson at fullback. And I'm sure. You know, they'll get tested by a pretty good run block and offensive line of the Patriots. Yeah, I was thinking like them just running Josh Allen more that could solve it. Like you might not want to make your living doing that all regular season. But as you get closer to the playoffs, like let's make it a little more like 2015 Cam Newton for Josh Allen. Like go go chase that championship. I thought when we saw the Chargers live too, Justin Herbert running, you know, really helped that Chargers team out. They are a team I can't figure out at all offensively. Like, I don't want to put much of it on Herbert because it feels to me like he's playing well and making a lot of big plays, and yet the offense seems to just get confused or stuck in mud. Like, what what do you see there with that team? That's maybe the number one team, especially on offense, that I just can't get a handle on. Mm, yeah, well, they, they're a little pass happy in how they want to do it. A lot of these teams are listening to these analytics experts, and they're just going, okay, you know, if we – Flip this coin a thousand times. That's what you got to do in order to win. And I, you know, sometimes I just think if they just ran behind Matt Fowler and Rashawn Slater, like you couldn't go wrong. Um, you know, Austin Eckler behind those guys. And sometimes they, they get away from that. So I think they could run it a little bit more. Um, you know, when, you know, when Justin Herbert does take off with it, like he did against Pittsburgh, they look a lot more dynamic. But when you got to just drop back and throw it right now, uh, too many bad things are happening to him. He's throwing these interceptions. The ball's glancing off Austin Eckler, you know, into the opponent's arms like it did on Sunday. Uh, you know, there's Patrick Sertan taking it to the end zone. Um, you know, I think when you look at – if you play the Denver Broncos, I mean, make them stop the run. That seems like that's been an issue for them. And don't play to their strengths, which is their secondary. And so I thought their secondary outplayed the receivers throughout that game mm. last Sunday and – you know, Justin Herbert at the end of the day looked pretty pedestrian. All right. There is a final Billy Joel concert. <laughs> and uh oh, here comes the encore. And you got what's your drink of choice, Baldy? Well, whatever's cold, you know. Right, you got an ice cold beer. <laughs> too. You got because of your yeah. buddy, uh, the drummer and all the, the roadie guys, you're actually side of the stage. So you're there for the last ever Billy Joel concert, the encore. Three songs. Pick them, baby. Mm. Uh, well, bottle red, bottle right. Oh, I mean, we can you. sing along with that one. That with would you. be good. Got to do it. Yeah. Uh, I would say uh, Leningrad. 
is a good one. Uh, I like that. Um, a little weed and then, start the fire. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I haven't. I, that's a little too pop for me. Yeah. No. Um, I, you know, I guess you know, well, the encore will just go straight piano, man. And we'll just have like nineteen thousand people to guard. You got to end the I'll career together with as the lights come on. You've nailed it. You did nail it. You even nailed your own face. <laughs> opening up a wound <laughs> yes, I did. that will heal in time, <laughs> but we'll always have this to remember. Uh, Baldy from NFL yes, Films you will. headquarters there in Jersey, Mount Laurel, uh, where he is grinding out the tape. And if you want to come into that room, as he said to us before, you could come in, but you better come in to play because I don't want you sleeping on the couch yeah. behind him when he's in the 12th hour of tape grinding. No. You no. come into dog, you be a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Get your get your Red Bull in you early. <laughs> or no dose or whatever your choice is. <laughs> you know, get, get get your your extra vente or whatever it is. Like you get it get it in your system. Go to the street you if you in. have to. Find it wherever you need it to stay up all night with Baldy. Yes. Ideally, no civilians would be bothering you, but in this plan, they're coming off the street to bug you. I don't like that. Uh, all right, Baldy, <laughs> Thanks, thank Baldi. you, my man. Thank you. You got it, guys. Be good. There he goes, the great Ryan Baldinger. It's a contact sport. He's coming on our show. You know, it's dangerous. <laughs> I mean, we're known as the most physical podcasters around. I mean, that's just facts. You know, that's big facts, as they say right now. We out physical the other pods uh, that we compete. with. I would say we can hold our own in the against the other football podcasts. I mean, Greg, you know, it's also the first time anyone's ever been slashed on our show. So <laughs> there's there the statistics, the analytics suggest that we're not as physical of a right. Crew as we think. Greg would be the shifty Sproles like guy. He could dart around, maybe get behind a guy, and then I'll use my half to like push a guy over. And then Mark, you just need to like. You remember the old Nintendo hockey game? Middle guy. Yeah, you're middle guy. Fat guy, thin guy, guy, middle guy. guy, Middle guy. Your job is just to fill in all the gaps. Right. Uh, I use middle. You could pick your lineup on that Nintendo hockey game, and you have to. It's a blend. You have to learn over Mm, the course of many defeats the blend and middle guy is core to it. Need him. But you can't just have middle guy. You need bigger guy, smaller right. guy. The problem is so, the other football podcasts, I feel like if Mark was on those, he'd be the small guy. That might be more his role. And now I'm pushing him into middle guy. And uh, we're a lightweight group. Uh, I yeah, see. Well, I got bills to pay, so we're I'd like make it bills. work. We're, I just, we're like the bills. We're, we're a finesse team. Right. You're like you. It's like you don't have a number one receiver. Somehow I am the middle sized person, which is a problem. Hey, why are we still talking? Maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Why are we still talking about that? Let's take a break. All right, we're back. Up next, well, we're doing Thursday Night Football, so let's start with the Queen, Queen Jonas. But I know you gonna like it in my city. And I don't want to spoil it, but I'm working on something behind the scenes. You know my feelings about Will I Am and how he slathered really bad 2011 production all over this otherwise perfect song. Okay. Come, yes. come, come on. I'm working on a anti-Will-I-Am mix. <laughs> so stay tuned, everybody. And I now... You're busy in the last Slightly vindictive, but I, I, I root you on in that project. And now joining us, yes, she's the queen of Thursday Night Football. You know who I'm talking about. It's the tiny box. It's Connie Fox. Colleen Wolf. Colleen, you should know this. How are you, by the way? I'm great. I know the answer to that. You should, you should know this, that um, Greg's daughter... Uh-huh bled for for uh the korean pop group bled she she, 
like Vita Vea style. I mean, she lost the, yeah, she lost the tooth. Actually. No way. Good well, parallel. She wasn't headbutted by a football helmet or anything. No, That's she didn't good. Vita Vea. Naturally. Uh, although that would have been an amazing story if one of the members of BTS gave her the broken tooth. That probably would have made the news. Uh, but anyway, so blood there. Okay. We just had Baldi on. Bleeding during our interview with him. How? I just opened up a gash on his head like J.J. Watt. He, I don't and know. Kept he, doing he's the getting excited and he scratched himself. Like he, I like I did, you he's, know, he's got, it wasn't the, the one finger that's disjointed. It's It was the other hand, but it scratched the cheek and suddenly it, the, the lighting didn't make it totally evident, but he turned at one point and just saw <laughs> a little river of red coming down the cheek. Right. Battle scars. I love it. So the question is, will Colleen Wolf bleed for the Around the NFL podcast? Well, I did just put a Band-Aid on. Mm. So. Thematic. It, when it it's a mini mouse band. Right, it's it pink with like mouse. polka dots. Yeah, but yeah, it's covering up a burn. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, Connie. So great to have you. And you burned yourself cooking Thanksgiving dinner. I did. I lit my finger on fire you by bro- accident. You broke your finger catching a football from Kurt Warner. Yep. I mean, you're a bit of a disaster, but that's part of the reason we love you. Exactly. I'm not perfect. I I know it's hard to believe, but I too have flaws. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cowboys Saints, you're going down to New Orleans, Orleans. not Miami. My New family. That's family. the new one. <laughs> uh, for this Cowboys Saints game. And it's a story, Connie, of two teams that are searching right now. The Cowboys searching to get healthy, searching to get guys back on the field, searching for a way to avoid the COVID-19 bug. Mm. Uh, And then a Saints team that has not been able to get out of its own way during a losing streak that has really kind of sent their season into a dark place. Somebody's going to be feeling a lot better at the end of Thursday night. Somebody is going to feel like the walls are falling in. Yeah, and this really is the story of these two teams just not having guys available, whether it's because of injuries, whether it's because of COVID. I was texting with Jane Slater, who's going to be the reporter at the game on Thursday before this pod, and she was saying that right now the Cowboys are up to 13 players or coaches Whoa. that will be sidelined because of COVID. Now, that actually does include Amari Cooper. So it could be fewer, but we know that his symptoms are ongoing. So his status is still up in the air for this game. Right tackle, Terrence Steele, he's out. And then you have a slew of coaches, multiple coaches on the offensive line are out as well, strength and conditioning. So the big one is obviously Amari Cooper following his status to see if he's going to be available. CD Lamb, he did practice in full um, so they will at least have him but this is a t- bad stretch for them they've lost three of their last four after starting six and one and they haven't been able to run the ball well Zeke he's banged up his knee this is the worst four game stretch of his career uh, Pollard he has the explosion we've all seen that from Tony Pollard but he doesn't have that same power as Zeke when he's healthy so they're just not running the ball effectively and that's also hurting Dak and the passing game too and and the thing is, though, in this game, I wonder if things will switch if Dak is feeling better or if uh, Zeke's knee is feeling better because the Saints run defense that has typically been really good to start the season, that's actually been a pain point for them. So they were fabulous. They held eight of nine teams to fewer than 100 rushing yards to begin the year. And now back to back weeks, it's been a problem. The Eagles ran 242 rushing yards on them. Part of that is due to injuries on the Saints defense of front, Marcus Davenport, Tano Passigno, they've been hurt. Neither practiced on Monday, so it's going to come down, Dan, to who controls the line of scrimmage. <laughs> I, love it. I don't even know what a catch is anymore. <laughs> uh, there are, there are, the Saints are a mess. I mean, the Cowboys are catching them 
at the right time. You could flip it and say it's true the other way, but Tyron Smith's at least back. He looked good on Thanksgiving. C.D. Lamb being back is massive. It's like, oh, it turns out, actually, yeah, Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb matter. It'd be nice to have, like, the best, you know, wide receiver combo in the league. If you have one of them, it sounds to me like Cooper's trending to not playing. That makes a big difference because the Saints are probably getting Kamara back. He was limited in practice, and Ingram said he's fully back. He's back. But they didn't have either of their tackles, Teron Armstead or Ramchek back. It's like you've just taken too many pieces away, but at least you're adding one to make this a little more watchable, and that's Taysom Hill. I mean, assuming our guy Rapsheet is right. The Trevor Simeon bus went off. I can't tell if he's being serious right now. He did a fist pump too. I mean, let's. I I don't want to see Trevor Simeon behind fourth and fifth string tackles anymore. Uh, I just want to see what happens with Taysom Hill. At least add a little of craziness. Yeah, a little juice to the Saints who are dealing with so much. At least Hill gives you some element of excitement because that's been lacking under Simeon. Yet I feel like I was the one banging the drum for Taysom Hill for a couple seasons there, and I don't feel the excitement around Taysom Hill, more so than Trevor Simeon. I mean, that's a, a you know stale milk at this point, but uh, the Saints, I mean, what's it doesn't solve what's around Taysom Hill. If you get Kamara back, that's a big thing, because they, they haven't that's, been able to, they've been able to run the ball either, mm-hmm. and they, if, the whole idea was get Ingram and Kamara back together, and you've got a functional backfield, because they are an empty cupboard at wide receiver. I mean, it's just a mess, and Demarcus Lawrence is going to be back for the Cowboys, too, so you got Micah Parsons, you got, you got Lawrence, I mean, I just don't like the matchup for New Orleans at all. They've been really watchable, they've been a really tough-minded team, coached well, but it's just like, you're, the there's, no there's no hope. There's no hope, then they're a mess. Thanksgiving night, they were watchable against the Eagles. The the floor kind of fell out of this team. Now, Kamara and Ingram returning, maybe maybe they get at least one of the tackles back. Armstead did finish that game, so that's confusing to me. Like if you all right, then then they've been this like feisty defense that right now, like the Cowboys keep being favored in these games. Like they were heavy favorites against the Raiders, couldn't get it done. They're pretty heavy favorites in New Orleans. Like they gotta prove it too. Last time I checked, I think the Cowboys are laying four and a half in this game. Um, I thought about locking it up, but there's just too much indecision around Dallas right now. There's too many question marks. Dan Quinn is uh, in for Mike McCarthy as head coach, and and we just don't know what's going to happen. Who knows if more uh, positive tests pop up between now and Thursday. So it's just kind of like a stay away and see how it all plays out. It should be noted that there was some reports out there early in the week that Zeke Elliott has this knee injury that is could use a break, like put him on the bench or really lessen his role and, and have Tony Pollard take on more. Jared Jones came on the radio uh, on Thursday morning or Tuesday morning and said Zeke will have a, quote, serious load on Thursday. I heard, well, yeah, I heard that. He also ah! um, said he fully expected Amari Cooper to play. So it's like, you know, the Jerry Jones radio segment weekly. It's a little bit of science fiction mixed, mixed with potential fact. That's how I take <laughs> right. it. What it's a manufactured <laughs> joke. It's like him saying the most optimistic things possible. And then the coach is always correct. They're just thinking like, like what no, is he no, that's that's not true, Jerry. It's all <laughs> part of the job. Need working a, in Dallas. Need Dak to play a little better. He finished out that game well, but he, he was been out of sorts a little bit. You know, the gap injury, you know, that thing that, well, maybe some of us, the your aunt would have hanging in the hallway and it's the the footsteps on the beach. And uh, the man asked Jesus, why, you know, why well, aren't you there for me? Right. 
I heard uh, you bring this up that's on okay, Good let, Morning Let's football. finish it out. Let's finish <laughs> it out. And it's like, uh, why did you betray me or leave me? No, it was not a betrayal need? scenario. But I yeah. corrected myself. Why did you leave me in my time of need? And he's like, no, no, those footsteps I was carrying. Bingo. You. Mm-hmm. And you know, I brought it home, Mark. And uh, that's what the Cowboys kind of need from Dak. Uh, he's got to be their personal Jesus. Like, <laughs> get us through these hard times. Because since he's come back from the calf, two out of three games, he's been part of the issue as well. So Dak has to show that, like, Listen, get on my back. I am one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I'm going to kick some ass on Thursday Night Football. I'm going to be on the dais with Connie Fox and the gang. Mm. Like, let's make that happen. That's good. That's ratings dynamite. I would love that because, you know, Irv would be out of his mind mm. if the Cowboys won. It would be I nice. I think he'll be very... Cowboys he'll be, are back, baby! He'll be rocking He'll, he'll be very balanced. People. Very balanced, Irvin, during this. <laughs> this won't be tilted in any way. My favorite thing about Michael Irvin is that he, takes, he has to take a selfie with the star of the game on his phone after every interview and we all make fun of him for it now so I'm sure he's going to be all over whoever it is but if it's a cowboy it'll be where is the and be honest with you no one no one's listening Mm -hmm. Uh, where's the relationship between Irvin and Steve Smith right now because there's been you know heat in the past I think Steve Smith promised to kick Irvin's ass once and Mm -hmm. was not joking about it no have there been any run-ins or any heat any drama in the air between these two wide receiver greats can I just tell you the these two I have watched their relationship completely turn and blossom (laughs) into something beautiful and real and genuine and it has been the strangest journey I've ever been on really but they legitimately will talk and help each other and show each other notes and it's kind of adorable. Anybody a little disappointed? I, they were kind of like... She's been on now. some strange journeys too. I Kali's face that. just like lit up the I love, love that she has for this journey that they've been on. It, it makes sense. Because it's like when you're My too similar... To me, they seem like they have a lot of uh, similar DNA here. So at first... Yes. You know, you find that person annoying at first, but then once you got a you know, little time together, they're they're it's, seeing the connection. It's Will Ferrell's character and John C. Riley's character and Step Brothers. Like they want to <laughs> yes. destroy each other in the beginning. It's like, are we best friends now? That's I think where Irvin <laughs> and Smith. Happening. It sounds like that's what's happening. Yeah. Does Joe Thomas sort of the odd man out here? It feels like no. What, they all okay. like real. They're all just like bros mm. now, right? And it's Joe Thomas's birthday on Thursday as well. It's I think his or actual soon? birthday is on Saturday, but Great. he's going to celebrate Saturday. the entire. Weekend. Happy birthday to Joe Thomas. I, yeah. like, I never remember like my best friends' birthdays and Mark knows Joe Thomas's. Well, I was informed pre yes. I didn't I didn't know that out of hand. I, I mean, set up good. that flare. Right. Okay. All right, uh let's pick the game. Why not? What the hell? I got Cowboys 31 20. Uh Cowboys 58, Saints 12. Okay. Because I, I want it to happen. If the Saints can get Kamara and at least one of the tackles back, I think they can cover this game at least and make it like a field goal game at the end. If, that, if, if they're missing the tackles, forget them. Score. Kill them. Yeah, what's Low score? scoring, 23-20. Mm, I hate. You're not I'm, allowed to. Are you, you're, no, why? I always pick. No, they do on the game. Oh, they oh. do? I'm not allowed to, but I do anyway. Oh, you're a bad girl. I'm a rebel. Someone's I... not watching TNF preview. <laughs> Dangerous female. <laughs> TNF preview. Uh, Cowboys, 27 20 too. Something weird is going to happen. Everyone in the that? control room. She, 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 she can't do that. She can't give a I score. I just did it. Our- <laughs> she, 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 she's the host. Apoplectic producer person. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite, like, stupid TV thing in sports television. Hey, listen. Can't do it. I'm James Brown. Can't give you a score. I know. 
Right. I'm the God host. forbid yeah, Moses leading us through the the haze with your <laughs> score, James Brown. The dumbest thing, though, actually, is when they pan to like the back room on Christmas and like everyone's sitting there like waving like they're in a hostage scenario. Like, wait, you Uh-oh. finally get your moment in the sun. Please. Ouch. Well, that actually is kind of a warm thing, I think. I like those people. I'm saying it's family, it's a minor. Right? It, it, they should receive more attention. I they get would, they get no I attention. You think it's too manufactured. It's, it feels very 1988. Back then, it was, right. you know, they're wearing Christmas trees Maybe around. Maybe you changed. Right. I kind of right. love that. You, like, you, you like the people, but you despise all their kids and wives and families no, at no. home <laughs> wanting to see daddy. That's you, a nice narrative them. by Greg. I am saying that essentially they deserve more of a nod. Maybe give them their own show. Behind the scenes, but just, just waving a, at the camera. An for hour, an hour, like an hour and a half of that <laughs> ninety minutes. The showroom show is always the better show. Mm. I'm not gonna lie, it's so much fun. CBD. Mm. I feel like that's what the kids call gaslighting. What Mark was just doing to us now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Eric, Greg, I have an. I'm annoyed with Greg. Tell me uh, more. I don't want it because this is Ew, just every time know. Mark speaks, Greg concocts some lie, <laughs> a, a total lie about Mark. I'm not gaslighting know, anyone. I have to say, if you do miss, because I do miss Steve Smith wanting to kill Michael Irvin, <laughs> uh, you can tune into this podcast when Mark wants to kill Greg. <laughs> Sometimes he it wants does, to kill you. It doesn't last. That that does not last long. To be fair. Yes, we all get it every once in a while. But I mean, if you're looking for a real I like replacement, uh, this warms my heart. Uh, all right, <laughs> Connie, you've said it all. You've done it all. I have. You've lived a life in the industry, and you're just getting started. <laughs> Back with my family. <laughs> my no, family. my family in Miami. Yeah, Los Angeles. All right, there she goes, the queen of Thursday night football. So and long. there we go. Uh, we will be back on Thursday, of course, with the Week 13 preview. Uh, also, the recap of the game we just previewed. You can catch that on Thursday as well. It's going to be Greg Rosenthal, one of our favorite overseas Ooh. exports. Hmm. Imports? Uh, we imported him. We, we didn't oh, export. We, we, they exported him. We imported him. That's how trades work, trade deals. Trade Absolutely. Embargoes. One of my favorite things as a teenager was at the height of my uh, fandom for the UK band Oasis, going to that, go, traveling to Times Square, going to the Virgin Megastore and finding those import singles that had all these great B-sides on it. That was living. That was like, you know, like when you used to watch The Control Room uh, when sure. you were in 88 and you said, this A rich time. Heart. Yeah. That's what I think about. 96, taking the bus to Times Square to get those imports. Same thing. Dan, you know how you always tell me that I'm going to be a great old lady? Yeah. Like, I can Now I see that within you. You're going to be a great old lady, Dan. <laughs> 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 I'm already there. That is the nicest compliment anyone's ever given me. I know, Kelly. right? Thank I love you. It. Uh, all right. Here we go. That's enough. What do you think Eric is thinking? Like the show's 15 minutes too long. Why is she not in her car driving? Dan Heads, Sun Hour, Quiet Storm, County Fox, The Old Boss, Ricky Hollywood. Heat the call. <laughs> 